We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Here we go. Salute to Knicks Nation. Monday night, Knicks. Another edition of the Quarantine Stream. CP from Knicks Fan TV. My man, JLs from the Nick of Time Show. Two special guests tonight, JLs. Alex Wolf for posting and toasting and SI Knicks. And on the line, making his four-time appearance, JLs. On the show is Mark Berman of the New York Post. Mark, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. I have four time. Uh, it sounds pretty good. Exactly, man. You're moving into alumni status. Thanks again for joining <laughs> us. Um, let, let's get right into it. You know, obviously there's not much basketball going on right now. Not sure if a season's going to be played, but you have been the hardest working man on the beat. And this week um, you released an article stating that Scott Perry will most likely be retained as uh, the GM, at least through the draft. Um, what do you what do you gain? What's the thinking behind this? And, and is Perry in it for a lame duck stint or could he possibly be uh, brought back um, after the draft? Yeah, I think everything is fluid there because one source I also quoted saying that Leon is still going to do his due diligence. So I think, uh, you know, right now things are going well between Scott and Leon, and they have a video conference meetings with Scott and some uh, of the scouts uh, with Leon about the draft. Uh, Scott has known Leon for many years, and as has been reported, Scott has known Wesley for, you know, a long, long time, and you know, Wes Wesley and Leon are buddies, so I think they really want to give Scott a chance. Uh, you know, Mills is gone, obviously, but uh, Scott, you know, is a survivor. Uh, he's been, he's had a lot of jobs around the league, mm-hmm. back from Detroit and Orlando, Seattle, uh, Sacramento. So, you know, he, he's he's a good guy, and he gets along well with, you know, the other GMs around the league, and he's experienced, and that's what Leon needs. 
in terms of, uh, you know, they also are in the process of finalizing a deal with um, Brock Aller from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. What do you see his role being with this new group? Well, someone called him like a chief of staff. Uh, I think his title will be a, a vice president of strategy. And, I, and again, Leon is so inexperienced as a rookie president. And Brock Aller has been with the Cavaliers since 2014 as a capologist, financial guy. And he's been Dan Gilbert's right-hand guy even before that. I think, I, unfortunately, in these horrible times, you know, teams are facing economic crisis, no revenue coming in, and Aller is a financial guy, and I think he's going to try to restructure the front office, and I hate to say, say, but, you know, I think some guys could lose their jobs, just budget cuts, just, you know, the Knicks have, you know, I'm told that Leon sees a lot of fat in, in the organization, mm. and, mm-hmm. you know, there may mm-hmm. be some, some guys who don't stick around because they don't produce enough value, you know, under these, again, under these times where James Dolan is not making a penny, you know, the players will get also uh, salary cuts. So I think there'll be some financial cutting going on. But, you know, just to reorganize uh, the the financial stuff, he's not a basketball guy. He's a finance guy, great with a cap. And, uh, you know, I think Leon needs help in restructuring this whole organization in terms of the basketball operations. Very interesting, interesting start, man. You know, one of the other positions that obviously would be important going into the draft is the coach. You know, is it going to be Mike Miller? Uh, obviously, we've we've heard Tibbs is the hot candidate. What what are you hearing uh, lately in terms of the Knicks coaching search? Yeah, if there was no pandemic, I think Thibodeau was the number one candidate for sure, and I think they would have looked at even Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, maybe Kenny Atkinson, maybe even Jason Kidd. You know, a lot of uncertainty now with you know with the season. Are they going to have a season? Uh, when will the season start? And so it just puts Leon in such a tough spot where he does have a guy in Mike Miller who did pretty decent uh, in an interim role. And he's got a whole coaching staff, and there's some stability there. And under these uncertain times, maybe it's more prudent to, just to bring the staff back for one more season before making major changes. Hopefully, maybe Thibodeau also uh, is still a free agent uh, uh, next uh, summer as well. Uh, you know, there should be some jobs open for for Tom, but who knows if the season's canceled, maybe Philly doesn't make a move with Brett Brown. Maybe there's not a chance for Thibodeau uh, in another spot. Maybe most teams keep their coaches if the season doesn't continue on. But Miller, you know, we did something a few days ago, the case to bring back Mike Miller. Obviously he gave some structure to the defense. Uh, They seem to be, not all scrambling around. I mean, there were some terrible nights. Don't get me wrong, but you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, you know how Fisdale was. I mean, what happened was their strategy was let's switch on everything, and it became uh, a mad scramble sometimes. And someone was always left open. And I felt with Miller, uh, they weren't switching as much. And I thought there was more stability back there, and the statistics back it up. And offensively, 
Miller realized we were not a great three-point shooting team, so let's try to get the ball in the paint. And the next paint uh, points in the paint for 100 possessions, I believe under Miller, they were number one in the league. And he played to their strengths. So he definitely impressed a lot of people. And when you have Jeff Van Gundy rave about the guy, I mean, what kind of a – that's just, to me, a wonderful endorsement that Jeff uh, loves this guy. They work together at Team USA. So, you know, I think he's got a chance. Uh, I thought there was no chance whatsoever if, uh, you know, the coronavirus didn't uh, stop the world. Yeah, this thing is definitely impacting so many facets of the game, but uh, most importantly, got to make sure everybody stays healthy. Um, on the draft, you know, we all know that the, the point guard is a glaring need on this team. Uh, obviously, with this draft, we, we see it could be about five to six candidates deep in terms of a starting quali- quality point guard. Um, do you How much do you think they're prioritizing getting the point guard in the draft. You know, obviously we've heard about the Chris Paul potential trade rumors. Uh, You have a Van Fleet that's out there in free agency, although Toronto can always up his deal. Um, How much do you think they're prioritizing the point guard in the draft over the other options? You know, it's, it's a tough call for Leon. Uh, Obviously before he got here and we had written it, uh, the scouts were told, you know, we want to beef up the backcourt and get a scoring point guard. Uh, so look, let's let's zero in on that for the lottery pick. And you know we still need backcourt backcourt help in terms of a shooting guard who can shoot three point shots as opposed to R.J. Barrett. So unfortunately, in this draft is um, a lot of point guards, but each one of them seems to have some flaws. It would have been wonderful if Cole Anthony had a a stronger season and look more of a more of a point guard. I mean, he yeah. he he doesn't really create for other. He doesn't make other people better. Uh, otherwise, you know, he's a scoring point guard, and you you think that that would be a great pick if they stick at six. But mm-hmm. there's question marks about Paul. Uh, you know, Halliburton looks like a very creative uh, playmaker. Uh, but he may not be able to get to the basket in the NBA. Uh, you know, he's a pretty good three-point shooter, and I like him. And we spoke to Seth Greenberg of ESPN, and he thinks the Knicks should really take him because it was basketball IQ. They need a game manager, sort of like Payton, but Payton was, is such a brutal outside shooter yeah, the that he's terrible, just not man. a starter. Yeah, the offense yeah. is just terrible. I mean, he, right. Listen, he, he, he's a backup point guard. And Knicks need to get a draft a point guard who one day is going to be their starter, or even as a rookie. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the priority. But if they fall in love with, you know, say a Denis, I can't pronounce his last yeah. name, but the kid from Adia, Israel, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. uh he's not a great. You know, he's a very good shooter, but not a great shooter. Small forward playmaker. You know, there's a lot of you know, skill there. You know, Fran Fraschilla, when you talk to him, he says, listen, the Knicks should just take the best player available in this type of draft. You know, no one really stands out. And then in the, with the next pick, maybe go point guard. And he was thinking Kira Lewis, but it looks like the Knicks would have to trade up from 27 uh, to get Lewis. Uh, so, listen, it's definitely a priority for this franchise, but maybe Leon thinks they're going to make a trade for Chris Paul, so then you don't need 
to draft one. You know, there's so many f- factors. But I do think at 27, the Knicks have a real chance of moving up a little bit mm-hmm. and get and getting a really good player with that second pick. Because, you know, I think teams are going to, you know, Dolan could give you a couple million dollars right. in a transaction. And in these economic times, you know, teams might say, all right, we'll move back six spots and, get, you know, get the $2 million and Dallas's first-round pick or something. So I think the Knicks have a real shot of moving up at 27, hmm. you know, and really landing a player that could be in the rotation next season. Good. Yeah, and as you said, you know, with the financial flexibility that they have in these times, it could uh, play out into their favor. Um, you know, we talked about Chris Paul as a potential name. Uh, we do know that the Knicks have a lot of flexibility in terms of the capital and and the draft assets over the next four years. Is there any other name that you can think of that um, Leon may be high on on bringing to the Knicks in, in terms of trading some of these draft assets to to make a move next year? I mean, we've written about it since Christmas that the big strategy, because of free agency being such a dud in 2020 is they are eyeing the landscape for that disgruntled uh, star who wants to be traded. And obviously there's one guy who, well, two guys who are from Creative Artist Agency who could want to get out of their situation. We know of Mitchell with Utah, and we've written about Carl Anthony Towns, who's a guy who grew up a Knicks fan in Central Jersey, and they did get D'Lo for him, but... You know, he had obviously the family tragedy, so I don't know where his mind is if he if he does want to go back home at this point. But, listen, the Knicks are definitely looking to make a big trade. There's no doubt about it. They realize free agency is going to be difficult in, in 2020. They've seen, you know, some of the recent free agents not wanting to play in New York anyway. So, uh, yeah, if they could – you know, if they could land, and they have a lot of assets, I have to give them credit. I have to give Steve Mills some credit, and, you know, he gets no credit, but he did uh, have their cap in order, and he has a lot of young assets. Those Dallas for two first-round picks are definitely good uh, pawns. And even Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, to throw into a big deal. I mean, these guys are still – the NBA still looks at them as – as prospects, I mean, they're, they're not bust yet. I mean, they haven't played well, but it's still too early to count them out. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting. And obviously, Chris Paul, I've known in the past, you know, in 2010, he wanted to come to New York with the big toast. Yeah. Or it was 2011, the toast uh, with, with Carmelo and Stoudemire. So, yeah, he's always had a fascination with New York City. So, you know, the contract is not great. Obviously, it hurts you for the 2021 free agency, but, you know, Leon really believes in his guys, and Chris Ball has been one of his guys for a long time. That's interesting, man. And we're talking to Mark Berman of the New York Postal. To everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Uh, Alex or JLs, before I shift to last dance and, and wrap up with Mark, you guys have any other questions in terms of offseason? Um, I mean, I've, I've heard that um, Scott Perry was – a reason that Frankie Lakina wasn't getting some type of minutes with the Knicks. Is there any truth to that? Well, I mean, the other day, and I've written it before though, but listen, Scott Perry was involved in the 2017 draft. He ran it for Sacramento. Uh, and 
he had the fifth pick and took Fox. And I'm told that, like, Nilekina was nowhere on his radar. And, listen, Nilekina was selected three slots later, and Perry didn't even consider him. So he wasn't high on him coming out of France. And I just don't think he's his type of point guard. Listen, he was drafted to run the triangle with Phil. We know that. But Scott Perry likes the Fox type, the scoring point guard, the guy that could, you know, Alfred Payton gets in the paint, uh, really is aggressive. Not, you know, it doesn't have to be a great playmaker, but he loves the athleticism uh, from the point guard position, and that's really not Frank Nilakina. So, yeah, I mean, listen, he traded for Moutier, and he brought in Trey Burke, and he's tried different uh, things. Dennis Smith Jr., obviously, in the Przingis trade. But I thought Frank showed progress, and Leon saw it, and Leon is Frank's former agent. So I think Frank has a new life under Leon. Okay. I think Scott would have given him away in the draft very easily uh, to move up. Or, and I think Leon would be a little more careful in terms of trading Nilekina. That's what I like to hear. Um, also, is Leon aware of the chemistry issues that is going on between Julius Randle and the Knicks? And are the Knicks kind of motivated? Are the Knicks motivated to yeah, move Julius motivated Randle? Yeah, motivated yeah. Yeah, that's a great question because, first of all, you got Julius and Leon who have a relationship from CAA also. But, listen, Julius was an issue. Uh, The over-dribbling, spinning into traffic and losing the ball and just not having a really great feel for the game or basketball IQ and not really much of a defender. You look at the traditional numbers – and it's solid. He, it really, I mean, yeah. especially under Miller, you know, he put up nice numbers. And there were a few games that he did win for them. But overall, the feeling was he didn't make anyone better. He wasn't a great leader. And, yeah, there were players, and we wrote this last month, players, including R.J. Barrett, who were very frustrated that Julius wasn't moving the ball enough and that he was dribbling and dribbling and dribbling and and then committing the odd turnover, and it, it got frustrating. RJ needs the ball. And, like, yeah. when we were talking about Cole Anthony before, I should have mentioned, you know, he doesn't make anyone better, and I wonder if that's really a good connection with RJ because Cole so. needs the ball. So, yeah, Randall was an issue, and to the question of are they open to trading him, no question. Mm. Uh, and they think they can. They think there's, there's definite trade value. His contract's not terrible. You know, it, it, it can expire by the 2021 free agency, although there is $4 million guaranteed on that cap for 2021. So it's not completely clear. But, yeah, they're definitely open to it. But they got to get a nice package back. And the Rozier thing, listen, we've been writing about Rozier for a while. You know, the, the Scott Perry people – like Rosie, yeah. Well, it's, he's a good three-point shooter. I mean, he's his percentages are good. Uh, he won games in Boston, and uh, you know he didn't do great in Charlotte, but he still shot well from the three-point line. And I guess with Graham there, he could be expendable. But yeah, listen, he's not going to win your championship. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. uh, as Boston did find out. But it's an upgrade. Uh, but then you need to replace Randall's scoring also. 
So, uh, but without doubt, they, they, Leon's got his eyes uh, and ears open with Julius. Interesting, interesting. Um, Mark, last question. You know, last night and, and previous Sundays, we've been watching The Last Dance, uh, the Bulls' final run. And, you know, last night's episode focused on Phil and, and the birth of Phil. Obviously, they, they showed the Knicks' glory days, which was good. They actually showed us in a good light instead of MJ <laughs> just dunking nice, all yes. over us. So, so that was nice, you know. But, a young Phil Jackson. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But it was like, you know, a lot of Knicks fans were on Twitter because they also showed, you know, the emergence of the triangle. And a lot of Knicks fans were going back in time like, damn, what? Like, how did Phil's tenure just crash and burn in typical Knicks fashion? Um, what did you remember most about that period and that friction uh, between Phil and Melo and why it just ended so terribly? Well, watching the show last night, you had to giggle if you're a Knicks fan when Michael Jordan is on TV saying, yeah, when Phil took over, I'll be honest, I wasn't a big fan of <laughs> yeah. Phil. He wanted to do the triangle, equal opportunity offense, <laughs> and it just brought back all the horrible memories of Phil trying to change Carmelo. Mm-hmm. And still, Phil's friends will say if Carmelo could have bought into the triangle a little more like Michael did and like Kobe did, you know, the Knicks could have had more success. But Carmelo is Carmelo. He's a tremendous one-on-one isolation player. He doesn't know how to play any other way. And uh, it was a disaster with Phil. Phil thought he could change him. But Carmelo is very stubborn. And, you know, we've written it before. Carmelo kind of soured Christoph Przingis on the triangle. We wrote once, I think Przingis was telling us once after a game in Orlando, he was kind of talking about the triangle and has some potential and, you know, it could be a really good thing. And it was very positive. And when Carmelo read the comments uh, the next day, he reamed out Przingis. He said, what are you doing promoting the triangle? This is not the (laughs) offense we want to play. So Przingis shut his mouth after that about the triangles. But yeah, the similarities of hearing Jordan talk about Phil Jackson uh, very wary of his offense and what happened with Carmelo and the Knicks and Phil was ear- eerie. Yeah. And it's just too bad, the Phil thing. I'm glad to see Phil put, though, in a positive light these uh, yeah. last couple of weeks because his reputation really took a, a battering uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. Certainly did, certainly did, yeah. man. Well, well, Mark, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, four times, like I said, man, you are officially Knicks fan TV alumni. Uh, what do you want to say to the fans out there, man? Yeah, well, hit that thumbs up uh, button for you boys. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys, Mark. Thanks again for joining us, man. We'll, we'll talk soon, man. All thanks right, again. guys. I enjoyed it. Take All right, it thanks easy. a lot, man. Take it easy. That was classic. <laughs> Hit that thumbs up button for you boys, people. Mark Berman from the New York Post just joined us to drop some gems uh, on the Knicks in season, off season. We don't even know what type of season we're dealing with now, but um, good stuff. Good, good, good stuff, man. JLs, what, what were your, uh, your your thoughts? Yeah, good, good, good stuff overall. I, my, I guess my thoughts overall is well, at least for, for Carmelo Anthony's talk that we just having right now. If Phil Jackson was the coach instead of the GM, we might have had more of a fighting chance of, you know, getting Carmelo Anthony to kick out the ball like uh, Jordan did at the end of the dock when he finally realized he couldn't do it by himself. You know what I mean? So I think that was the biggest difference. Phil Jackson wasn't coaching. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? I mean, Al, what did you think? Did you think Phil coaching 
uh, instead of preaching it from the sidelines would have made a difference. It just seems like all these guys from from Melo to, yeah, Porzingis had embraced it, but there was also quotes of Porzingis saying he was confused as hell. You know, yeah, Derek Rose talking about this is ridiculous. I'm not sure it would have made a difference if Phil would have went to the sideline. Yeah, I think he had a lot of big personalities there. You know, that's that's something to keep in mind. You know, I I don't know. I feel like Melo was just kind of resistive to change. That happened a lot, I think, with him. Um, and, you know, maybe Phil being on the sideline would have made a difference. You know, they, they do always say that, like, Phil's, you know, and you could see it sort of in the, the Jordan doc, you know, in Last Dance. You see he had them doing yoga and be more mindful and, he had all these different techniques, you know, to kind of get through to guys and, you know, gave them prescribed readings and, you know, all these different things to kind of get them in the right headspace to do what they had to do for the season or whatever. But, the, you know, there's also a poignant point in the documentary about how, you know, the triangle is pretty complex. You know, it's a different yeah. way of looking at basketball. And, uh, you know, you had to really give it like a full year to get into it, whereas yeah. you have Melo who's like – I just want the ball on the low block and I want to jab step and back down and take my fadeaways and do my thing. And, you know, it didn't really jive with what he wanted to do. Um, and, you know, that was step one. And then, you know, if what Berman's saying is true about, you know, Melo reaming out other players, if they were talking positively <laughs> doing, about it man? to the press or whatever, then, yeah, then it was doomed good. to fail, man. Cause he was, he was still the leader at that point. You true know? story. True story, man. Yeah. Go ahead, Jails. I'm not, I'm not, I'm pretty much agreeing with everything Alex just said. Yeah. Um, it, it took a year. It took a whole took a year, year for the Bulls to get it down. Under 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 the guy who in, invented who who was the construction of the triangle and Phil Jackson directly under them. It took them an entire year to get it. And on so, top of we that, had a I mean, you secondhand. We had like a secondhand kind of uh, teaching thing happening. Oh, Derek Fisher's going to teach oh, you. That He's was a disaster. Man. Yeah, it's like so. You, first of all, you're not even getting the, the the direct link to the triangle, and then you're not getting the guy who even believes in the triangle. So you, you were doing from the start. True story, man. Go ahead, Al. And even you had a team, you know, with those bulls that was good enough to still even get to the East Conference Finals, even while learning it. You know what I yeah. mean? Whereas the Knicks were kind of just behind the curve on the the talent category. Oh, yeah, that certainly doesn't help either. Yeah. You know that. Uh, you know, you don't have that, you don't have your Rodman and freaking Michael Jordan, you know, yeah. who's already MVP of the league, you know, defensive player of the year, blah, 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 every right. freaking accolade by the time he won his first championship. You had a Rodman um, who all he wanted to do was play defense and rebound. That's it. Yeah. I mean, not Rodman for that first run, but yes, later on you had Rodman too. Yeah. Um, but like the, you know, during that first run, like, you know, they still managed to take, take two games off the Pistons in the Eastern Conference finals. And then the next year, once they finally grasped it, they swept that same team yeah. and then uh, beat the Lakers in the finals. And I think five games. So, I mean, yeah, it's clearly a super talented team and that, that system ultimately just unlocked them and gave them the ability to win six championships in eight years. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the Knicks were just, uh, they were never going to be that good regardless of Derek Rose thought they were a super team or not. Um, or even the, you know, the 14, 15 pre Porzingis team or, any of that yeah. stuff, you know. Not, not yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't expect it to be anywhere near that, you know, not even saying nah. that, but damn, boy, yeah. we had some treacherous years during that from 2014 and 17, you know. I, yet, I think you need strong yeah. voices to advocate for Phil Jackson that's, that's, and yeah. for the system. You Got know, you. That, I think that's Got what you. it is. If your star play is not buying it, forget it, you're toast. Yeah, you're done. Mm. You're done. <laughs> you, you know, on, on top of that, you know, the, 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 uh, the shots on Twitter, the subliminals through Charlie Rosen, 
it was just a typical mm-hmm. Knicks mess. But um, but on to present day and, and the Berman interview. Um, hey, what what do you guys think about Perry running the draft? What what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you heard you want me to lead? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Al. Go ahead, because I, I want to segue into your article as well. So go ahead. Yeah, I just got like into many Twitter views today about it because uh, <laughs> I wrote a thing saying, you know, maybe it's not so bad. I, I, to me, I don't think it's that bad of a thing to have. You can say Perry. the same thing on the show, Alex. You can say the same thing on the show. <laughs> yeah, like just to just to run the draft. Like I went through and I looked through every draft that he's had a hand in, mm-hmm. and it's it's difficult to say exactly how much input he had. Like to what Mark said, coming said, here, yeah. Yeah, like to what Mark just said, it sounded like he basically had run of the Sacramento draft in uh, 2017. I mean, his, his background is scouting, right? So my general assumption is when when he was in these assistant GM roles and stuff, that he probably had more to do with picking what players to draft, more so than picking what players to sign or what trades to execute. Mm-hmm. Um, because his background when he came up with the Pistons and everything was in scouting. And mm-hmm. so he scouted for them and then went to the Supersonics for a year, helped them draft Kevin Durant which, you know, whatever, that was kind of a home run. You know, once Greg Oden went first, obviously Durant was going to go second. It was, those were the only two you were talking about at the top of that draft. Uh, but then, you know, went to the Magic for, I think, five seasons. And then uh, briefly to the Kings as the assistant GM before mm-hmm. coming to the Knicks where he got offered the full GM job, uh, which Sacramento was nice enough to let him out of his, like, three-month-old contract to come here. Uh, but, you know, I went through those drafts and, like, it's really not too bad. I mean, if you just look at his next tenure, first off, he's he picked he didn't overthink it last year. Took RJ Barrett, which I think we can all agree was the best pick. Still, possibly could have made it three. I think, uh, mm-hmm. based off what we saw from RJ, mm-hmm. and you know, then took Iggy, which we never really got a chance to see bear out. You know how he was going to play in the NBA this year. Hopefully, we get to see next year. But he tore it up in the G League. Seems like a good talent. Traded up for nothing more than just a handful of cash, which. Right. I'm all about spend that $3 million of James yeah. Dolan's money yeah. every mm-hmm. single year. <laughs> every every year. Just <laughs> burn it. Burn it <laughs> at the dress. Um, picked up Kenny Wooten, who we never got to see also as an undrafted free agent. True, true. You know, Leon, uh, Leon, Leon. Uh, Peters, Pete Lamar Peters. I mean, Lamar Peters may also, not get a yeah, shot, who, but who never made it into the Knicks system, but presumably next year could come on as a two way contract. Yeah. Um, you know, Knox is the one you can maybe say out of his picks he made with the Knicks is sort of up in the air still, but I think it's still too early to make a determination on someone who can't even drink a beer yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I put out something, I think I put it, uh, I don't know if I put it in my article or if I just put it in a tweet the other day that like uh, Obi Toppin, who's, you know, projected to be a, a top 10 pick probably this year and mm-hmm. like player of the year, all that stuff is going to be a year and a half older than Kevin Knox when he comes into the league. <laughs> like, you know, wow. this is the guy that we're talking about. Oh, Obi Toppin might have great potential, blah, 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 with Mitchell Robinson. And he's a year and a half older than Kevin Knox, who's been in That's the NBA crazy. for two years. That's crazy. So, you know, it's we got to consider that when you're talking about, you know, the his draft yeah. record with Knox. You know, it's like it's kind of an incomplete. Rob, Mitch Robinson, obviously, home run. Trier was great, undrafted pickup. You know, it's undeniable. Like, for an undrafted free agent, he was great. Um, you know, if he's a functional – NBA role player on a good team. That's a whole nother story, but most undrafted free agents don't amount to anything, let alone, you know, 10 point per game players that shoot sure. 40% from three. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that, that Sacramento draft, if we're assuming that that's the one that he had the most input in, took De'Aaron Fox with the fifth pick overall, which I think was a great pick, you know, could have potentially taken Markin in or Isaac there. And I think Fox has definitely worked out better than either of those two. 
not say they're bad, but you know, it's a pretty yeah, good draft. The class, swipe, but... swipe of the Fox, man. That, yeah, that's and then you know, traded down from pick ten, got two more stabs at it in the first round, which I thought was—I mean, I don't know—someone was trying to be like play the Donovan Mitchell card on me earlier, be like, "Oh, he could have taken Mitchell at ten. I'm like, "Yeah." There was a lot of GMs that could have taken. Mitchell. Yeah, there's a lot of GMs could have taken Donovan Mitchell, and they didn't. And you know, there was a lot of needs for that team. You know, he he saw an opportunity to trade down and fill multiple holes that were coming up that off season, which was. That was for who? J- they, they they got Giles in that draft as well, right? G- Giles yeah, and uh, and Justin Jackson, and you know they had they had just lost uh, Demarcus Cousins in the trade for Buddy Heald. So that's the other thing. Where why would they take Donovan Mitchell? They just traded their only star from the last like five years for Buddy Heald, right? Who their their owner at the time was calling the next Steph Curry, like <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so. You just made that trade, so now you presumably filled your point guard and shooting guard spot. So he traded down, took Justin Jackson for small forward, took you know Harry Giles as a center, who they've then since now they're letting become an unrestricted free agent this year, which is strange and could be the Knicks' gain if they go after him. But uh, yeah, you know that I thought that was a good draft too. And then you know you go back further. There's a couple bad ones. There's a couple good ones. You know, it's like. I mean, when I look, broke man, it, like yeah. when I broke it down, it was like 50 50, you know, and that's yeah. like all you can really yeah. ask for. I mean, Jails, you're not going to bat a thousand. No GM is going to bat a nope, thousand. No. Not Presti, not Maury, nobody, not RC Buford, nobody. Nope. I think, listen, if we look at what Perry's done and with it directly in this position, I agree with Alex. Knox to me is a TBD, despite what many of the fan base may say. He's way too young to, to have a verdict on. Yes, you could say SGA was a better pick. Yes, you could say Miles Bridges or McCall, but none of those guys, I don't see any of those guys being superstars anyway. To, let, let's just be real. I don't, I don't, you don't know how great those guys are going to be to say that we, we missed that on a huge opportunity. Are they all um, getting Mitch in the second round? Like you said, Alex, if you're going to praise Mitch, then you got to praise the guys that brought him in. You know what I mean? If you're going to praise Mitch being a, a steal in the second round, you got to praise the guys that brought him in. Isozo yeah. almost hitting that 50-40-90 slash line last year, um, putting up numbers, undrafted, signed right out of the gate. That was that was a good deal. And mm-hmm. you're hearing scouts that are high on Iggy. We haven't seen him yet. So let's see how it plays out. I, I don't really have an issue with, with Perry, uh, man, in this draft. Go ahead, Jails. Yeah, me neither, man. And it's like, it's the value picks, man. Those value picks, those second round picks, when you're picking up something and you're like, all right, this this can do something for your team. It's a guy who can contribute to the team and is cheap. Uh, is, is the things that the Knicks need right now. I don't even know if you give him credit for this, but when he was on the Pistons, like, I guess the greatest value pick was what, Tayshaun Prince? When he was with the Pistons at like 20-something, like, that's a, a huge value pick. That's something that we got from Mitch Robinson. And you know, I'm talking about um, Victor Oladipo too, like mm-hmm. yeah, Victor Oladipo was a huge impact, and that's another Scott Perry guy who took a while to develop, but once he got there, he, he was there. So I, I, everybody's heard me on the program say again and again that um, I'm down for Ninja P drafting. He's done well drafting for us. People try to argue me down about it, and I'm like, yo, y'all was all hyped about Mitchell Robinson and Alonzo Trill last year. So how can you then yeah. come to the next season and then all of a sudden say we did a horrible job after that was hyped after one year? That doesn't make sense. But uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm yeah, yeah, I'm okay, okay with it. it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, what's important is uh, bringing the coach in. Who are you going to have coach? Because what does the coach, what does the future coach want in a pick? What is his style going to be, his philosophy? You know, does that impact the type of point guard that he goes after? Does that impact the strategy of going best player available or over point guard or position of need? I think the coach is, 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 a, is a very important position rather than um, who's going to pick the players because I feel like uh, Rose is going to have the final say anyway for the draft. Yeah, coach is going to be a big deal. That's that's the thing I'm most nervous about that can kind of change the trajectory of this franchise. Man. It's the it's coach. Big. That's a big, 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 big deal. Yeah, man. De- definitely. Let me hit this reset real quick. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. We got 500 people in here. Jay Ellison and Alex on an off night. Just chilling, yeah. talking Knicks. How'd you, how'd you like that Berman? Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. He knows that the company classic. credo. That was classic. He knows the credo, JLS. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Phone lines are up 657-383-1509. We're going to keep this rolling for about another like 15, 20 minutes. If you guys want to call in with your comments on the Berman interview, uh, give us a call. 657-383-1509. His Randall comments were kind of surprising, you know, to say that that they would definitely um, field some offers or be aggressive. That wasn't surprising for me at yeah. all. That was kind of surprising for me, man. Why? Why, why not, Jails? Be, uh, because we have eyes. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, listen, I, I hear you, you, man. Watching? Of you course, listen. Of course, uh, we did plenty of post games with that. That was just you know excruciating to watch and talk about. But yeah. you know, it, I don't know. It's just hard for me to see that they would go back on that decision. So fast. I know it didn't work. I, 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 I explained it last time. I was like, listen, with, with, with Steve Mills gone and Leon Rose at the helm, there's no pressure to for Leon Rose to prove that Steve Mills or Scott Perry was right in any way with how they drafted our team again. He doesn't care about that. He's caring mm-hmm. about results. So there is no pressure to keep Julius Randle just because. Like, we're looking at facts. <laughs> we're looking at what's going on. And anybody with eyes, I, I still was this the Charlotte game where RJ was clapping for the ball for like two quarters and he started chucking in his third. He would not pass the ball because <laughs> Randall wasn't passing the ball. Like everybody saw that the chemistry is not working with, with Randall here. It, and I, I'm he's a talented guy for sure. I, he's not trash like everybody's saying. Yeah, he's a talented, but listen, I, I, I can't I can't just sell him low. That's my problem, Al. I can't just you know, throw this guy not for Terry Rozier, like Terry Rozier, man. Come nah, on, man. Terry Please. Rozier. I mean, the worst part about that rumored Terry Rozier deal, if you remember, when I think it was Bagley's giving that a pick. report. Yeah, <laughs> it was that it was Randall, DSJ, and a pick. Yeah, that's for crazy. Rozier and Monk. If it if it was a straight up swap of Randall for Rozier, I could see where they're coming from. Like, I, 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 I don't know, like, like Julius Randall. This strikes me as kind of a kind of a Perry or well, maybe more of a or, or sorry, Julius Randle strikes me as kind of like a Jordan type of player for whatever reason who used to he gave a big contract to Al Jefferson back in the day, that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. And Rozier strikes me as sort of a Perry type of dude, like what Berman was saying. Like, so if they want to do a straight swap of that. I could live with it, I guess. I just I don't yeah. love Rozier. I, uh, I think his overall shooting percentage sucks. You know, his yeah. three point percentage has gone up. Um, when he's really engaged on D, I think he's a pretty decent defensive guard. But 
I guess he's sort of in a way like the anti Alfred Payton yeah. in a way, like yeah. as far as well, yeah, that's game. for damn sure. I can't um, I can't watch Peyton anymore, man. As a starter, I can't watch him as a starter, man. Putting up three foot of bricks, air balls, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Salute everybody in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Uh, all right, let's go to the phones. We had a little bit of phone um, technical difficulties over the past couple of days. We're in the process of fixing it, so we're gonna um, use Will from Li as the guinea pig. Um, let me, Will, first off, what, what's going on? How you doing? And everybody in the chat, let me know if you can, if you can hear Will. Will, go ahead. So, listen, listen, man, I have no issues with us keeping Scott Perry because I felt like it was definitely a Steve Mills thing um, when it came to all the bureaucracy and everything. What I do have question marks about is about Mike Miller because after we got rid of uh, Fizz, I was expecting to see more of the kids playing. And while they were executing better defense, plays, and all that, I still feel like certain players not getting player time was like a more being too scared to like step on anybody's toes. And I don't and I, I want to coach that. Doesn't worry about that. And that's why I believe the number one choice is Kenny Atkins. Because even with him, when he had a when you have players like Kyrie and KD, he still felt like Jared Allen was a better option than um, uh, the trader, the snake. What's his name? <laughs> DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan. Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so he put Jared Allen in front of him. And then, you know, it's not his job, but that's a guy I like that because I felt like he be- he believed in something and he wasn't going to get pushed around. And I don't really know if I feel that way for Mike Miller, but that, that, that's all I gotta say, man. Appreciate you. Good work, guys. Be safe in the streets, man. Be safe, man. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly argue, you know, Miller's rotations, especially as as the as the season went on. It just you weren't sure where the where the where the orders were coming from, right? Even Berman's article on Frank, you know, he made it seem like part of the reason why Frank's playing time was so inconsistent was due to the fact that you know he wasn't a Perry guy, so. I don't know if that kind of drove Miller's decision-making in terms of um, the rotations. Al, you cover the team uh, later on this season. What did you make it up? I mean, I, I, I'm I, not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not as, like, well-connected as, as a Berman or a Bagley or whatever. Yep. Uh, I I didn't really get the – I got the impression that there was probably something coming down from on high. You know, there was probably some direction because – to hear Miller talk, it sounded like he wanted to get the kids involved. and um, hmm. But it, it also sounded like he was kind of given a directive to try to win basketball games. And they did. Like, to the to his credit, you know, I, I thought that he did a decent job. He didn't lean fully into, like, we're only going to play the younger players. And you obviously ran into some of those situations where – and, I mean, this is something where I think maybe Miller had to be more assertive with – calling out like Randall and Peyton for turning it into a two man offense, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. I I think that sort of stuff needed to be called out more. And and I fault him for that, but all in all, I think he found a pretty decent balance of trying to get guys out there for some development minutes, um, you know, and not totally burying them. Like even Kevin Knox, you know, you could say, yeah, he got jerked around a little bit, but at least under Miller, he was finding kind of a comfort zone of 15 to 20 minutes a game for the better part of the time that Miller was there. Um, you know, and then you had like, uh, Frank, I think 
you know, kind of had to get his playing time back at a certain point, but you know, he, he earned it back and got to the point where I thought he was really challenging for the starting job and probably would have taken it to end the year. Um, you know, and Randall was going to be a mainstay no matter what, but I think that was a directive, you yeah. know, uh, but he did he did show the cojones, you know, to stick with like Bobby Portis down the stretch if Portis was playing better with the closing group or whatever and leave Randall on the bench uh, a couple times. And, um, you know, the whole Mitch thing, everybody gets bent out of shape about but everything's come out during and since, you know, it's just said it's just what Mitch was comfortable with. And he wanted to keep Mitch comfortable because he was playing at such a high level off the bench and was playing, you know, 25 to 30 minutes anyway, so who really cared? Got it. Yeah, and he was closing games. You know, he was comfortable closing games. It's not like you could only put Mitch out there in the middle and he wasn't comfortable starting or finishing just for whatever reason. He didn't, like, starting the game or starting the half. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my general read of it. I, I think there was definitely some orders coming down. I do think he was also sort of coaching for his life, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, he knew that he was just an interim and it was very clear that they were going to conduct a coaching search at the end of the year, so – obviously wins talk and really like i said he if he set out to win games he did a good job he he had them playing at like a 32 33 win pace which would have outpaced anything we would have thought that the Knicks would have gotten this year if he got 33 wins that would have been a 16 16 win improvement which is like almost unheard of um so yeah i don't know i i think he did what he was supposed to do i i think it's unfair to judge and say that he uh you know he didn't play the kids enough or anything because it's just maybe it contradicted with what his directive was mm-hmm. and uh you know that's why he had to do it the way that he did but i thought that he still managed to find enough minutes for a lot of them tough 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 okay. business man got it Jails. yeah i mean you had this conversation on the show before too it's like like and i think i had a good conversation with dallas too like about what is development and what is not and there were times where you definitely saw some development. Um, the Rockets game is probably the highlight of the season for me when when we saw Frank and RJ actually finish the game and both of them stayed in the end in crunch time minutes. And it seemed like they earned those minutes. It didn't seem like he was giving it to them. And when you when you seem like they earned the minutes, it just, the minutes just seemed that much more meaningful. And I feel like it kind of boosts the confidence of those young players. So, so in that regard, I it's, it was almost good that, you know, it wasn't just handed to them like they deserved it because, you know, you're young. So I kind of liked that a little bit, um, even though I myself complained that Frank was getting benched too much when he wasn't playing, when he's, when I felt like he was playing well. And the same for Knox, too. But, um, yeah, like, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still considering Miller at some point to coach for the Knicks. I, I wouldn't be completely upset if that happened. I was, I'm definitely on the Kenny Atkinson wave, but something that I've read recently has me second guessing. What about the game managing? Yeah, yes, the game yeah. management is a concern because you got to be able to adjust. And the one thing I, I can say about Mike Miller that we didn't see with Fisdale is Mike Miller adjusted and, and called plays accordingly to get people in spots where they were successful. And uh, I just wish he prioritized shooting a little bit more in the starting lineups. But maybe Mike, like Mark, Mike Mark said, he felt like we didn't have the shooters. I feel like we had Dotson on the bench that we didn't need. <laughs> Free Dot, but that that's neither here nor there. You know, I thought that was a shooter, but whatever. Yeah. Who am I? But <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, if he's back, 
I, I wouldn't be super upset. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset about it as a head coach. I wouldn't be upset about it at all. Um, salute to everybody in the chat. Once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Let me address the super chats that came in. Salute to Danny Thomas, JLC. He says uh, he wants to see what uh, Perry can do without Mills for at least a year or two. Keep Miller. The organization is always firing people. We need stability. I like that comment. He's I agree with that. Yeah, I've said that. I've said that before too. Like, I want to see how much. I would like to see how much of this mess was Mills and how much wasn't because I've always saw Mills as a handicap, man. I've always, I've always, I've always when he signed Ron Baker to yeah, NBA, when he locked himself in a closet that one week and, with no GM and, Tim, <laughs> and, and, and signed Ron Harley Baker to a no trade. Yeah, it's all downhill from there. Can't be trusted. I felt, I felt like half the moves were just undoing the bull that he did. <laughs> so, so, like, yeah. a part of me wants to see what he would do with the reins gone and knowing what he knows now. But then I don't like that. He don't let my guy Frank you. I don't like that. <laughs> I, I agree with that, man. I definitely agree with that. Um, Oskrilla, shout out to Oskrilla. Um, he says, we right back to hiring friends and no development. Uh, I guess he was talking about the, the Brock Aller trade. Um, but it's a relationship business. You know, You know, guys are going to be comfortable working with guys that they know or guys that they worked with in the past. But, uh, you know, if you're speaking of like the Brock Aller signing, you know, he comes highly touted. He's a capologist, which is somebody obviously we need. And well, I think we got to give Rose time to put his team together. You know, at I the mean, end Brock of the day. Yeah. Sorry, Leon Rose needed a cap guy. Yeah. Like Leon Rose doesn't get how to do the the. I, I he probably has some idea from being an agent, but right. he's not an NBA cap guy. No, you know he doesn't know the finer intricacies of the yeah. of the salary cap. I'm sure he knows how much he could get a client paid as an agent. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think ultimately Leon is going to be sort of like the the figurehead, you know, and the the ultimate decision maker, obviously too. But mostly he's the guy that's like, wow, look at this prestigious person in the basketball community that yeah. we have running our team. But He's not going to sit there and be like, oh, can we Crunching afford to numbers. fit this guy into no. the biannual exception this no, year? No. And blah, blah, blah. Like, he's not, he's not going to do that. Yeah. You know, he doesn't you, know you that need stuff. A, you need a guy like Oliver that's going to cross Yeah, and Oliver apparently is brilliant. Like, I have no, I don't, I don't care if he's best friends with Leon Rose. Cool. Leon Rose is best friends with a good cap guy. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is why you hire a guy. You got to let him marinate, man. Yeah, this is why you hire a well-connected guy to run yeah. your basketball team, Hell you know? Hell yeah. Yo, sometimes your friends are dope. <laughs> we'll see we'll see we'll see man. uh salute to robert paris jails he says um nick's personnel will be dictated by rose uh that's why he's here hey shout yeah. out to robert paris i recognize him from pnt from back in the day Comment yeah man on pnt article. yeah man active active nick's fan out there in the social wave yeah, so salute to him uh salute to brandon mcneely in the chat sales he says we got to change the post game live banner to quarantine live <laughs> we got to switch it up to address the occasion. So that makes uh, sense. Yeah, it does make sense, man. This is the quarantine stream after all. Home all right, time Al, look, live, uh, maybe. What'd you say? Home time live. Home time. Home time live. Yeah, you know, it could work. So we'll, we'll take Same suggestions. Throw some suggestions in the chat. <laughs> what should we rename like this show to? Stream. I do like the quarantine stream. It kind of rolls off, kind of yeah, like, like you that. know, posting and toasting type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It does. Uh, it does kind of have that sort of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Al, w- w- one more call before you bounce. Yeah, I'm good. Well, give me. A, yeah, I can do one more. All right, cool. Let's go to um, Dwayne and Yonkers is up next. Dwayne and Yonkers, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. What's your point for today? 
No, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the draft, man. I think it's pretty simple, guys. Like, we got to keep it simple. we got to draft another playmaker, you know, another tall guard playmaker, and that's Pamela Ball or Killian Hayes. There's nothing else to really think about. I mean, unless they're both gone. When yeah, they yeah. They unless you pick them six, <laughs> unless you're picking six and get screwed or get tenth, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I can't really hear you. All right. Well, we had phone issues with him, but yeah. Listen, um, I'd I'd love to have either one. I'd love to have either one as the floor general for this team, man. Preferably Lamelo. Um, but we shall see. Lamelo just signed with Rock Nation today. Mm-hmm. All three brothers, all three, Leangelo and Lonzo. They're still bringing Leangelo along for the ride, man. They're trying to get him that G League. <laughs> They're trying to though, get you know? him. Yeah, man. Trying him. <laughs> yeah, that'll be another Jr. Chris Smith deal. It's a package deal. Package deal. That was a CAA special too. That uh, oh, yeah. that Jr. and Chris Smith thing. So you know, yeah. look out. <laughs> Definitely, man. So we'll see how it goes. We gotta wait for the lottery first, man. We gotta wait for the lottery. And, and see how this falls. But obviously, Lamelo is going to go one through three, one to three, depending on uh, uh, who's selecting first. Mm-hmm. So I think, like I said, watch Golden State. What do they do? Are they going to go Wiseman? Are they going to try to trade down and get Danny? If they get the number one pick is what I'm saying. Um, I think I Golden State could be the one. I can't see I can't, Why not? For all the reasons that all the, all the scouts have mentioned. It just seems like the way Golden State operates, they like – you know, multifaceted guys who can yeah. pass, dribble, and shoot. Yeah, I mean and, that that would that would speak to Denny. I don't know. I, I just think that's smoke. I don't see why they wouldn't take it. Take it, play like wise. I think a, a guy like a Wiseman could fit them perfectly. Hmm. He yeah. could potentially if he plays a certain role. But when have they ever had a guy that would potentially be as ball dominant right, as Wiseman right, at right. the five? Right. You know, they've what I never mean? had that. But they, but they've also never truly had like. Well, I guess they sort of did with like McGee. Um, I was gonna say they've never really invested that much in like a true kind of rim protector type guy. True. But also he struggles in space, from what I've seen. Like he's got really slow hips, mm-hmm. like with rotating. Uh, from what I and, and you know I'm I'm very like lightly into the draft process still so yeah. far. But most of what I've seen about Wiseman is like he's a good shot blocker, but he's kind of an empty shot blocker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like Hassan Whiteside esque. Uh, in that respect, so I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I yeah, guess no wiggle on the hips. I don't know about that. <laughs> I guess we shall <laughs> see. Uh, what, what, what more for you? Let's go to uh, Moses from New York. Uh, wants to talk about the the Knicks future. Moses, how you feeling, man? Hello. Hello. Hey, how you doing, bro? Hello, Eden. Yeah, loud and clear, man. Yeah. Yeah, bro. How you doing, man? Good. I'm good. Yeah. I like to tell you this, right? To me, I feel like whoever what 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 was y'all saying about Phil Jackson? To me, I don't even want to discuss that man because that man was horrible in New York. Uh, I'm surprised I even brought his name up. Uh, the reason why I say he was horrible is not only can he not get stars to come here, but this man can't even get NCAA players to even have honey nut Cheerios with the man and have coffee with him. Right? So now to move on, if you think about this, to me. I feel like, what do you think about bringing Mike Woodson back on board to coach this team? Because Mike Woodson was tough on defense. And and um, let me see. With Melo, I would say no, not right now. Let Melo just go to a title contender, get one ring, and then if you want to come back to New York, you come back. Um, and number three, 
man, I just want to, I just want us to build a team, man. We need, we got to get, we got to stay stable with the organization, the front office. Like hire somebody with a proven track record. I would say stick with the front office we got now, and then move forward, and then let's see what they do two, three years down the line. Because if you keep switching and switching and switching and switching, then I mean, what? what how, how are y'all gonna win? What, what culture do y'all have here? You understand? We need to develop a culture. And last but not least, you know, to me, when you talk about Melo, when Melo was here, the team, okay, they made the playoffs three times, but. It wasn't still good enough because I feel like what, what happened was when they got mellow, people forget that James Dolan was the one who pulled the gun. You understand? Mm-hmm. James Dolan was the one who um, forced Donnie Walsh to get that dude mellow. So to me, I, and then Wilson Chandler said it, like, yo, if they were to stay with that team and then Mello would have came as a free agent, all they needed was a good yeah. point guard and a new coach and which which was I would bring Mike Woodson on board, then that yeah. team would have won championship. Had a, that I, I don't know, know about but championship, but they would have they would have been much would, more competitive though. Appreciate the call, Moses. Um, let's so let's go to his his Woodson point before before Al goes. I mean, would, would you guys entertain a Woodson reunion? I don't think Rose would, but would you? Well, I just want to say real quick before we leave that mellow point in the dust. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of revisionist history about Melo. The whole reason that the Knicks gave up the whole freaking farm for him like they did is because he said that he would go to go to the then the new Nets. jersey Nets and, and sign a contract and and you know they basically sent the same package they were going to send for Mello to utah for darren williams you know otherwise that would have been that would have been the package for Mello. Yeah. uh and you know maybe slightly more than that if they're trying to outbid the knicks or whatever but the knicks you know they kind of got a they got you know their hand was forced by Melo there. Yeah, I love Melo. I I actually I enjoyed his his tenure here, but he always he forced that it. was kind of yeah that was always a cloud over his tenure was the yeah. fact that he forced it here. He could have come in free agency, but he wanted to secure his money yeah ahead of time, which I don't totally blame him for. <laughs> which is Leon Rose. <laughs> yeah, there was hey, yeah exactly. There's Leon Rose. There was, a lot, there was a lot of talk about you know that the the um the cap might go way lower or something, you know, when they got out of the lockout and stuff. And Melo was afraid of that. And Leon Rose was afraid of that. So they made sure to secure that money yeah. before uh, he could hit free agency and potentially lose out on that. And they used the Nets as leverage. And that's why the Knicks had to pull the trigger. Now, if Dolan ultimately, you know, made Walsh give up as much as Denver possibly asked for, mm-hmm. then that's one thing, you know, maybe Walsh would have just said, I pass and let him go to New Jersey. Yeah. But it was never going to, there's never going to be a situation where Melo hit free agency for the Knicks. No. Anyway, to get back to Mike Woodson. Yeah. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. No. That's, that's just kind of where I'm at. You know, I think his time has passed. You know, I, I don't really – if we're going to bring back a coach that's been here before, give me like Van Gundy or Thibodeau for that matter. Who's right. never had coach here but was an assistant under him. Um, someone that had a little more success. I think Woodson – we learned sort of stumbled into the best run in yeah. recent Knicks history mm-hmm. where he had mellow at the four, but that wasn't his preference. And that was never his preference. His right. preference was to play two bigs and play mellow at the three. He kind of got forced by injuries into putting mellow at the four. Yep. And it just so happened to work. And then he promptly in the playoffs, the second that stat came back, oh, yeah. tried, to, tried to immediately throw stat back in there. That's where that. And then the next year there's the whole quote of the East is big man. You know, because he was just like convinced that you had to start two like twin towers down yeah. low. Uh, the Bargnani, the, the Roy Hibbert yeah. stopper. 
Yeah, exactly. And he so. didn't see my boy on with, with, on the Pacers. Oh my god, I'm forgetting his name right now. Hibbert. Not Hibbert. You talking about Thad Young or no. David West? David West. No, with the locks. Oh, Copeland. Copeland. Yeah. Oh, Copeland. Copeland yeah. should give my man Cope more minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. They, they let Copeland go to the Pacers. You're right, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say no to Woodson, man. Let's I'd just... say no. I, I oh, mean, yeah, it's no. cool. It's a fun memory. He'd be more memeable yeah. than any other coach. But sure. <laughs> he had great facial expressions. Yeah. Uh, I, I would let that pass, man. But Al, yeah. definitely um, appreciate you for coming on. I know you got double duties, man. So go ahead and uh, yeah. and sign out with the people. Let them know where to find you, man. Yeah, going to the Posting and Toasting show where I'm just guesting, but I'll promote them too to listen to that <laughs> yeah, like right. tomorrow, I think. Um, then, uh, you know, you can find me on Posting and Toasting, writing, editing, whatever, postingandtoasting.com or PT Nick's blog on Twitter. Uh, you can check me out. Uh, Locked on Nick's. We just put out a really great, uh, series part with Berman that we're really happy about breaking down the best teams in uh, Knicks history. So nice. we did the 99 team with Berman. We did the 94 team with Chris Herring, who's writing the uh, blood on the, the hardwood yeah. book about the, the early nineties Knicks. And then uh, we did an ep- a four part episode with Harvey Ariton, who wrote when the garden was eaten um who used to be a beat reporter for the Knicks was a huge fan back in those 70s you know teams and all that so we just did a big thing with him with that so that's uh at locked on Knicks on Twitter or anywhere podcasts you can you know uh listen to them except for SoundCloud but you know hopefully you got one other than other than that um and then uh Knicks SI or all Knicks.com uh, is the URL uh, at NixSI on Twitter. You know, I've been putting out weekly or sometimes bi-weekly stuff for them. Just uh, I've been doing like a keeper cut series, breaking down all the guys the Knicks have to make decisions on this offseason. Um, I just did that piece about Perry that dropped today. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Or you can find me on Twitter at the Alex Wolf. You know, did I did sure. I hit all my laundry? Oh, list? you and hit all find, you hit all the hats, man. You and then you can find hats, me when it when it works for me. You can find me as the Sunday host of Knicks Fan TV. There you go. There you go, man. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm glad to have you back on the show. Uh, be safe out there, man. We'll, we'll talk to yeah. you again, bro. Thanks again. Of course, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to see you both. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, man, again, so. Be safe, bro. All right. That was out. Alex Wolf posting and toasting si.com slash Knicks. All that good stuff, man. Locked on Knicks as well, so make sure you check those guys out. Uh, JLs, we got two more calls before we wrap up. Let's go to, oh, Nate just dropped. Well, Nate, if you're on, you could call back. But let's close with Omar from Florida. Omar, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on? What's good? How you doing, bro? Hey, um, <clears throat> yeah, man, I got no faith in Leon Rose. I got no faith in none you of these You just got here, man. man. What do like, you mean? You just got here, friends. bro. What do you want him to do already? He just Hello? got here. I'm, I'm here. Oh, oh, my fault. I can barely hear you. I said, what do you, yeah, what do you want him like, to do? He, he just got here. It's like it's, they're hiring friends. I mean, Scott Perry, he's going to be kept for the draft. Why? Because he got a relationship with Leon Rose. Like, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. And and also, this, this Mike Wilson stuff. Man, Mike Wilson, man. I didn't like Mike Wilson. Before he left, he was switching on everything. He wasn't playing no more good defense. He had that, you know, he did, we did good that 54-win season. You know what I'm saying? We mm-hmm. did good with that. Mm-hmm. But he was switching all the time. He wasn't playing. He wasn't doing good lineups. He should have had Amari at the center, Melo at the four. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? He wasn't doing that. I remember when we had our test, 
You know what I'm saying? We wasn't playing him. I know he was, you know, kind of over the hill by then, but he was, yeah. we needed defense. And we wouldn't, he wouldn't play him. Because he said something. Because something that he said. He was too old school. I don't like these old school dudes. You know, that's real stubborn and hard-headed, yeah. man. All right, appreciate the call, man. The guy just got here, Jay Ellis, man. What do you want the guy to do, man? Uh, he didn't like Scott Perry, so he, <laughs> to him, he got off to a, a, a slow start from the rip. He's yeah. like, he's over it. If you ain't like Scott Perry, that means you don't like Scott Perry in the draft. That means you're already over it. Listen, um, man. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think it's a case of him just keeping a friend. I just think he's brand new on the job. Yeah. Heaviest jersey to wear in the league. Coronavirus threw everything in a loop. Definitely, you did hear he's, they're still going to do due dil- diligence. Yep. So it's this not- could be maybe it's this year. Maybe his contract is up on the thirtieth. Maybe it's just after the draft, or maybe it's long term. We don't know for sure. But I think for the sake of continuity, if your GM has already been there with all the scouts checking the players out and everything, let them provide you the resources and that information on the players and you. Make the decision with your coach and with Perry. Absolutely, and the thing you have to realize is, Leon Rose is is an agent. Right, he is an agent. He is not. <laughs> this is his first rodeo. He does not have experience in this arena completely. He is learning on the fly. When you are learning on the fly, it's really hard to just come in day one making um, wholesale moves. And like bringing your own guys in because he doesn't really have his own guys. Right. <laughs> Which means you kind of have to move slow, tread lightly, and do a lot more observing before you do a lot more moving. I mean, and that's not Leon's fault. It really, like, if we wanted somebody to come in here and start making changes right away, then we should have hired somebody. So, but Leon Rose is the guy right now. And because Leon Rose is the guy, he's learning on a job, he has to take his time and, and kind of observe and make his moves that way. Got to let it marinate, Jails, you know? Got to let it marinate. Listen, it's it's very easy to uh, not have faith in this whole thing. Trust me, I know. But you got to let it marinate. You got to let it marinate. Let him build his team. Take it one day at a time, brick by brick, and let's see what happens. Let's get a coach on it. What are we going to do with the coach? Let's get that on there, man. Let, let's get that on and figure that out. But appreciate mm-hmm. the call, Omar. We're going to work on getting the phones fixed. Um, there's just been some issues with the switchboard, but Nate, um, just close us out and just keep in mind the phones are a little bit off tonight. So go ahead, Nate. All right, uh, I'll be quick. Um, the mellow trade, man, honestly, it's kind of random, but there's nothing to talk about, but I feel like the mellow trade, like shouldn't mellow have signed a free agency? Would that have been more beneficial? Yeah. But I don't think it really like held us up or like stopped us from being a great team as much as people started did. Because like the real thing that held us up was the Amari contract, yes. and I, I love Amari. Yes. Keep it real; yes. like he he held us back, like eating up all that cap space, and we had a free out with the amnesty. But for some reason, we used on Chauncey Billups when he only had like a year left on his deal, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And we also and Chris Paul they made it explicitly clear that he wanted to come to New York. So there was a path where we had Chris, Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul. And I, and I don't know about you, I'll take my chances on that. I think they could have won a championship together, both of them in their prime, especially Melo in that 2013 yeah. season. Yeah. But instead, our second-best teammate that we ever got from Melo was uh, friggin' Tyson Chandler or J.R. Smith. So it was like, I don't know. But, yeah, that's all I got, really. Tough. Appreciate the call, Nate. Be safe up there in Rochester. You know, J.L., it was just um... – 
you know, like I said, uh, it's not to say, you know, one of the, I think one of the calls Moses said they would have won a championship if you didn't trade those pieces. I don't think so, but I think they would have been way more competitive. I mean, when you yeah. traded all those guys on top of your max contract and Amari being worthless, you had, that's when you got stuck with Tony Douglas out there, Bill yeah. Walker. And, you know, what do you think? Melo's going to pass the ball to <laughs> To them, that's like MJ in the last dance. Look, man, I don't want Bill Cartwright shooting the the the, the ball with with five seconds left on the clock. I mean, that's what he was left with. You know, I thought him and Danilo could have been a dope pair. Yeah, Wilson Chandler could have given you that defense off the bench. First tour, Ray fell much different than Anthony Carter. Jails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's just keep it real. That's he. That's he. Mozgov. Oh yeah, I was yeah. mad. I was like, you gonna trade my guy, Mozgov? Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, if if you would have had a shrewd GM that would have seen the Amari thing coming, they probably wouldn't have signed it. But a GM would have would have made that amnesty, would have cut him. Yeah, here's the thing though, like politically, you wouldn't. Have, nah, hell no. Like that's easier to say in high exactly. But Amari was the first guy to come here. Like, I'm not sure if Melo was coming here without Amari Amari being here because. Back then, the allure was Amari and Melo being paired together, and we can see what these two superstars can do. But you know, they were never—he was never really healthy for a long enough period of time to actually see what that would look like. So, I mean, it makes sense in hindsight, but at the time when Amari got here and he, when he first got here, he—he he was a terror. Mm-hmm. New York was excited. He was putting up points. He had a team on his back. Everybody thought he needed Steve Nash to kind of carry him on the offensive road. And we quickly found out that Amari can carry a, a load offensively by himself. No problem. So there was this excitement about having Amari. Yeah. It was just, he, he just, his knees and his legs just it hurt us. I, I think it hurt us more than it helped us, man. But I think a lot of people overlook it because the excitement when he first came and embraced the challenge and New York is back and all that and was, mm-hmm. was killing. You know, those consecutive 30-point games and just dominating everything, J. Ellis. And um, it was just short-lived. It it was just short-lived, man. You know. So, uh, anyway, good show. Good show, J. Ellis. Good show, everybody. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Mark Berman and Alex Wolf for joining us. Uh, J. Ellis, go ahead and sign out, man. Yeah, man. I promise we're going to get the stream together because the stream, my stream did Yeah, I had yours working. I tested it earlier. I tested your stream earlier and it was working, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if it has anything to do with me scheduling it, scheduling it with the stream. I don't know if that's the one at all. I'm not sure. It should have still should have still went live. I don't know. We got to figure it out, but we'll, we'll test it out again um, yeah, in the coming days. But yeah, um, hopefully might have a new Nick and Tom show maybe this week. Keep your fingers crossed. So definitely stay tuned for check for that at the Nick and Tom show. YouTube.com slash Nick and Tom show. Also, always check out the blog. My guy Ken's holding it down. Dolo writing some great stuff. He just wrote about... um. A blueprint series, pretty much two-part series about what it, what he thinks it will take for the Knicks to go into the right direction. So definitely check that out too. That's NickTimeShow.com. Um, and yeah, that's it, man. You also get the merch. Got the Knox merch in the back. If you want to cop that and more merch, Frank Rubin, Mitch Robinson, RJ, and all that stuff. Man. So definitely check that stuff out as well. That is all. Yeah, follow me on social media. I've been I've been live on social media lately, but I'll, I'll promise getting back on that when I get some other situation situated. Yes, sir. That's that's all. 
Back to UC3. Appreciate you, JLs. Appreciate everybody for watching, man. We had almost five, over 500 people watching on YouTube. Salute to everybody watching on Facebook, on Twitch, on Periscope. We appreciate you guys. Thanks again for Mark Berman for coming through. You heard Mark Berman. Hit that thumbs up button for your boys. It goes a long way in supporting this show. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so you don't miss the next episode. Remember this show for all everybody that's new. Welcome all team hashtag new. Remember this show is available in audio podcast format. Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, uh, Alexa, and Stitcher. If you're an Apple Podcast subscriber, please leave us a review. It would go a long way and we really, really appreciate it. Um, definitely want to shout out Alex Tratoros, Jay Ellis. He said, um, salute Jay Ellis, CP, and Alex Wolf on the quarantine stream. Send us a super chat. And uh, stay healthy, man. Stay healthy. Somebody had sent me some news today that uh, Sebastian Telfair, man, lost his mom and his brother. It's a coronavirus. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, Come on. Yeah, man. Another homie hit me up. His, his homie lost um, father, brother, and, and cousin. Same same time, so it's a hard time for everybody. Uh, we're, we're just trying to do what we can and keep everybody's spirits up, and, and uh, you know. So if you have been impacted by this, you know, just keep your head up, take it one day at a time, stay strong, and hopefully, you know, we provide you an hour of uh, temporary relief. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. And, and as always, shout out to all the essential workers out there, nurses, EMTs, doctors, all of it, man. Online, drop the bus, you grocery store. So, shout out to all you guys. True story. True story, man. All right, Jail. So, catch up with you guys uh, later this week, man. I'll let you boys. Peace. Right.